Welcome to podcast number 49. This was going to be 50 and 49 was going to be something else, but we've had some technical difficulties with 49 getting it transferred back over into an editable format. So we're changing gears a little bit, hence the slight delay. So podcast 50, we have Idan from Hinovate on, and we're talking a little bit about tactical rope and a little bit about Hinovate and about some of the equipment that Hinovate produces. We've had a lot of questions on our social media feeds about Hinovate gear. And so we kind of deep dive down into, you know, the Bella, the Crab, the Rafa, and these types of devices. Uh, Don has some chats about them and some of his thoughts about tactical rope and where the industry's going in the future. There you go, Podcast 49. Excellent. Today on the podcast, we have Idan from Hinovate. He's on uh, Zoom with us all the way from Israel. So thank you very much. I know we've got a heck of a time zone difference here in order to make this work. Uh, nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, my time. What time is it for you? Well, it's eight in the evening in my time. Hi, Mark. Hey, good how's it going? Um, yeah, so before we kind of get into Hinovate and how it started, why it started, how about some of your background? What got you interested in doing ropes? Um, I think on, on my background, it was a love from first sight with the vertical world. I started as a climber and then evolved into a canyoning guide and a climbing guide. Did some years of uh, commercial guiding. And then like everybody here, I was uh, obliged to go to the army. And uh, in the army, in the IDF, uh, we have a special unit that uh, instructs uh, rescue and climbing. So I joined this unit and I was the head of this uh, team for six years. I was head of the school, uh, basically teaching rescue units uh, to do all kinds of uh, rescue techniques and um, rescue drills and uh, all kinds of uh, uh, special forces and uh, other units. And it's the only official school in Israel back at the time. And uh, I fell in love with the rescue world. I thought that uh, this uh, is the real thing, where the challenges are. Started to become a volunteer rescuer in my little spare time from the army. And it's been going ever since. I'm still a volunteer rescuer. And uh, today I belong to uh, an international uh, rescue team, uh, a commercial one here in Israel. And after uh, leaving that position, I continued for 15 more years in the army, mainly with uh, special forces. And whenever there was a need for uh, um, one of the vertical techniques, I was uh, the man to consult with. So I think my background is a little varied, a little commercial, a little tactical and uh, a lot of uh, hands-on uh, practice as a team leader and as a rescuer. Right on. Um, just a couple of questions without going too deep into the military stuff. Were you using single rope or double rope predominantly when you were in the army? Well, I think it's probably the most common uh, answer that you're going to meet. It depends. It depends. Uh, really depends on the situation. Normally, I would aim for a two rope system for uh, redundancy and uh, for safety. So most of the trainings are done this way. If it's a rescue mission where you don't need to uh, cut the edges because you can uh, go uh, heavy duty style, 
I would go maybe closer to the alpine style techniques that I grew up with, but still use two ropes, maybe two thin ropes. And uh, when there is a certain uh, limitation due to weight, volume, uh, or even just uh, safety, to keep it simple, I would always manage the risk and uh, work with the SRT techniques. Okay. Um, back then, what size ropes did it depend? And if it did, what were the ranges of ropes you would use? Well, uh, if we're talking about 20 years ago, <laughs> when the, the world didn't even know Technora, Vectran, Plasma, all kinds of these uh, sexy, sexy uh, ropes, we tried to use the... Um, a little bit of uh, heavy duty ropes, but I think nine mil was the lowest that we, we would go on a single rope. And we used a lot of uh, edge protection in order to overcome with uh, the disadvantages of a small diameter rope. And uh, that's because most of also the hardware that we used uh, was kind of limited to nine mil if you want to uh, allow the rescuer or the operator to have minimum required skill and don't waste too much time on alpine techniques. Um, and you say now you belong to an international rescue team currently, that's correct? Yeah, it's one of the teams that operated by uh, an insurance company here that goes all over the world to rescue in uh, time of need. Right on, and is that more like your traditional alpine setup or is it more of an industrial setup with that particular team? Uh, it's uh, the team itself belongs to um, um, a rescue uh, training center, pretty much uh, like uh, the services that Ronin is providing. Okay. Uh, it's a combination of people from uh, various fields of rescue that form as a team, and most of them do the, do this uh, for a living, either as instructors or uh, uh, professional rescuers on site, and. When there is a need, um, the insurance company would call us and uh, we can go. Usually we go abroad to large-scale large rescues, like after an earthquake or a, a severe uh, incident where many Israelis which are insured happen to be in trouble. And um, most of the other times we just work through agents. Okay. Um... And now, general, your thoughts on tactical rope. How do you feel that tactical rope is different than alpine climbing or industrial rescue or rope access? That's an excellent question because many years ago when, uh, when we didn't have industrial rated uh, equipment uh, and I was uh, trying to teach people to, uh, to work in a, what we call a tactical environment, which means that a few things define such a such environment. First of all, on the way to the operation, you are very limited on space, volume. You need to carry only what you have to carry. So you need to work with the minimum kit that, uh, that you can. And also the operator uh, are usually busy doing other things. And rescue is just another mean or repelling is just another mean to, to get to the point of work. And then you need to uh, spare them with uh, training time. You can't really get them focused on being the best alpinists if they don't have it in their background. 
So I would usually find a combination of uh, trying to work with the smallest uh, ropes and trying to work with uh, uh, pieces of equipment that um, can compensate from the user's uh, lack of knowledge or uh, they don't need to concentrate too much because they're busy with the uh, uh, operation. Once the ID was introduced to the world, which uh, saves a lot of uh, things that uh, prevent the users from making errors, I used to prefer it, uh, even though I would need to go with the rope all the way up to 10 millimeters. But nowadays you have various options with lightweight ropes that uh, eliminate the need to carry too much gear. My personal point of view is that the minimum uh, uh, rope that it's very easy to handle, it's around the seven and a half, eight mil, a techno rope, which is very durable and uh, uh, can be used in uh, severe conditions and still have a lot of uh, uh, hardware that it can work pretty efficient with ascenders, pulleys, etc. Okay. Um, now that's just some personal experience with like the seven and a half, eight mil Technora. How have you found the durability of that style of rope? Excellent. Yeah. I, I've been using it for several years in the same demo kit that I travel with all over the world. And I'm not using edge protection because I want to prepare people to uh, the real thing. And, and I've tried, you know, different scenarios, urban scenarios, uh, cliffs, whatever, all over the world. And it's very, very durable. Usually I just treat it like a cable. I wouldn't allow myself to uh, uh, take a leader falls on it or to be exposed to a severe fall. But uh, once you know its limitation, it's an excellent, uh, excellent uh, compromise uh, if you want to go very, very lightweight and durable. I guess that kind of brings us right into Heinovate then. And that's obviously the company where you deal with a lot of the equipment that's uh, getting sent out on the market from your end of the world. So why Hinovate? Where did it start? You know, what is it? Like, what's your, you know, you obviously started it. So what was your kind of brain trust about or brain thoughts about, you know, starting such a company? Well, uh, I think it was a process that started once I resigned from the army. And uh, I found myself after too many years of doing uh, everything that I love uh, in the vertical world. And I, thought that there is uh, still a place for to, to continue that line, not only as a volunteer. And after a few months out of the army, I decided together with my two good friends to form up Innovate as a place that would give solutions to problems that I had um, both as a user and as a trainer for many, many years. And it started by raising up a few ideas about uh, things that we thought they should be on the market. And I have an excellent partner uh, that uh, he's, a, he's a, one of the sharpest mind that I know. He's a great inventor. And uh, together our dialogue uh, developed a few of the products that uh, you're familiar now with. And my, my uh, second partner is a manufacturer. He has a company that does excellent 
engineering uh, products and uh, he's been doing it it's a family-owned pri private company that's been on the market for 60 years and he's one of the best suppliers that I used to work with and uh, so I thought that hey why not uh, beginning our own company to do what we dream to do and uh, to try to offer solutions and now this combination works perfectly. Now you had said previously when we were chatting, you wanted to offer more of the solutions. I mean, obviously there's a product that comes with that, but um, you were more inclined for solutions that professional users could use to reduce risk. Can you kind of elaborate on what you, uh, what you mean by that? Yes, I can give you an example. Um, when we invented the, the Rafa, our uh, uh, rope access, uh, portable anchor, the main problem that I try, we tried to solve was to uh, reduce the risk while you are uh, trying to find an anchor in an urban setting. Uh, I know firefighters are struggling with it and they need to either carry a lot of equipment or to spend a lot of time trying to find different anchor in different anchors in different places and of course tactical users that sometimes can't uh, use a, a drilling machine or they can't use uh, um, all kinds of uh, improvisation they need a quick solution and when i'm saying quick i was referring to seconds because uh, in tactical situation when you know when the fire is in your back or uh, you're you're in need to uh, um, come and, uh, and perform an operation and be prepared for it uh, within minutes, uh, time is crucial. And uh, we invented eventually a device that will allow you to rig in seconds, 10, 12 seconds, and you're ready to go in every building. So it's not just let's build a parapet clamp and let's see how strong it will be. We insisted on uh, finding the right solution so the user one user can do it safely in a few seconds and so it's it's a complete solution no, not just hey let's find an anchor and since then I've been going to buildings all over the world in the last three years and I haven't yet found a building that I cannot perform an anchor in uh, in a few seconds so that's one example. If you want, I can, uh, you know. Well, let's dig, let's dig into the Rafa. I mean, it's um, it's a for people that don't know that are listening, it is a a portable anchor. It's a parapet uh, a clamp almost. It can clamp on most things that would be, you know, of that size or structure. Um, I beam, you know, clamp it to a parapet, whatever uh, wall around a door, all sorts of items. Um, you kind of give the background of why you came up with it. What are some of the strengths you find of the raffle? Like how strong is it? What are some of the uh, combinations you could use it in? Well, um, first of all, uh, it's, a, it's a certified anchor. It's an EN795 Type B portable anchor. That's the um, standard that uh, uh, it's mostly uh, used in Europe. It's adopted uh, all over the world, and I think, uh, and it's rated for 13 kilonewtons. Uh, I don't know how much, uh, how many pounds uh, this is, but uh, you can do the math for me. 
I'll hit a calculator right now. We'll go with approximately uh, 2,925 pounds. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and so first of all, it's strong and it's certified and uh, we created it for uh, various directions of use. Second, it's uh, very adjustable. It can go from any thickness of wall or beam between a few centimeters to 43 centimeters, which is usually the width of two cement blocks and giving a little time for, for coating on the wall. And there are other off-label configuration that uh, usually we uh, teach only in trainings that you are probably familiar with. Uh, we can use it also as a, as a flat roof anchor, and like, an, like an anchor, but more stable because the leg uh, on the front uh, can give you another uh, stabilization point uh, unlike regular hooks and there, the, since you can change the angles you can bypass all kinds of copings and other edges on a window so it can fit windows door frames walls beams whatever the material uh, that you're using and while developing it we tested it a lot and we began with tactical users because we wanted to, to go through the harshest conditions. I know that once a tactical unit, an elite unit, is approving it and using it, I know that it's gone through hell and through everything. All rough conditions, field condition, and that give me the um, confidence in uh, uh, giving the next generation of the rifle for the industrial world. Okay, so you say the next generation of the Rafa. Are you looking at other iterations of it, or you know, what, what do you mean by that? Well, we started uh, um, publishing lately a little bit more about the Rafael, which is uh, the largest version of the Rafa. It's heavier, almost twice than the Rafa, but uh, it's rated for uh, 22 kilonewtons, 5,000 pounds, so it would be good for industrial users. Uh, and it will be easy and similar to operate, just more uh, uh, appealing for uh, industrial users. And uh, also we did a lot to reduce the price. Uh, we tried to make it uh, more reasonable and affordable. And we could do that because we uh, had to sacrifice the weight. Okay. And when would that be out on the market if people are you know, thinking about something like that? Well, we were supposed to uh, already be selling it, but the uh, uh, COVID uh, factor uh, changed our plans a little bit, mainly because of the test labs. But uh, you'll soon to hear that uh, we, we are already offering it, and I mean very soon. Awesome. Um, well, while we're on the topic of some of the devices, Let's look at a couple of the other ones that come out that are pretty unique for Hynovate or unique in the industry by Hynovate. Uh, next one would be the Bella. Could you just tell us what the Bella is and what you, you know, envisioned it for? Well, I love the Bella very much. I think it's a, um, um, it's a great device. Uh, there is a thing into it. It's um, if you probably familiar with us with it, but uh, it's a, kind of a bell-shaped device, which uh, includes two parts. One is a pin and one is the sort of a bell's head that they are connected uh, with a thing board, with a three millimeter uh, rope 
between the two parts. And once you pull on the rope like you would pull on a, on a pulley, the pin goes up and gets connected to the head. That allows various, of, uh, various uh, users that uh, um, we've developed techniques both for rescue and for industrial rigging. I can use it, for example, to um, lift a, a, a telescopic pole hook, a, a hook on a telescopic pole, sorry, and uh, carrying only the head of the bella. And once I pull the pin, I will drag uh, behind me a rope and that way I will, I will be able to rig up a, a lifeline, a vertical lifeline on a, on a mast or a pole where I intend to climb and there is no uh, uh, safety line. I can also pre-rig it that it will be uh, ready for rescue and for lowering. Uh, I can rig horizontally. I can uh, place an horizontal lifeline with a telescopic pole by standing on uh, one roof and uh, setting up the anchor on another one without the need to climb on the tower next to me or anything else. Uh, there is various techniques, all the videos, uh, we try to make it uh, uh, as much as uh, you know informative to the public. So we put it on our YouTube channel and uh, on our website. Uh, but uh, we also, as you know, uh, teach on courses and uh, we try to you know uh, share the knowledge that uh, we've developed with as many people as, as we can. Also we are using this kind of uh, solution to uh, so we will be able to place anchors uh, with drones. We have a system called Tipula that we are placing uh, hooks uh, by a drone and the one thing that makes it uh, possible is the bella because we don't need to carry too much weight upwards okay now what's the strength of the bella when you put that when you connect the two pieces together what kind of strengths are we talking about there it's also rated for 13 kilonewtons it's a en795 anchor certified and we can do it stronger if needed a little bit uh, a little bit uh, probably bigger but for now i don't see a real need for it okay um we'll talk about drones in a second but uh the q-rab or the crab depending on how you pronounce it um what's uh just giving us a rundown on that device it's kind of the other you know big device in heinovate's uh, repertoire there well the crab as we call it and it's a quick release auto belay device and that's nothing new there are a few devices in the market what make it makes it unique is the quick detachment mechanism it's a pattern that we developed that by pressing a button on the lever you can uh, immediately immediately detach yourself from the rope and that was the main purpose for uh, developing this product so for units who are uh, repelling into water uh, trying to quick quickly escape uh, they will not they will not waste even a few seconds of trying to open a carabiner if you are firefighters uh, and you've reached the decision of bailing out and you need to quickly escape to a lower floor i don't want you to spend these precious seconds disconnecting of course, if you're repelling from a helicopter, repelling into a boat, anyone that has done this, 
knows that uh, you know sometimes it's a struggle so eventually eventually we uh, developed a product that uh, would solve these problems of immediate disconnecting safely from the rope but one when we started uh, designing it we wanted also uh, to find a solution that it will be also an all-around device uh, remember i talked in the beginning about training uh, operators and their precious time uh, if i'll have to choose uh, one device to use i would i would rather have it uh, not only for repelling but also for climbing if i need uh, to go up a little bit to do simple rescues pickoffs uh, howling system and then the operator will need to know only one device it doesn't have to switch systems so the whole concept of the, of the crowd evolved and it's not just a, a quick detachment device it's also designed to perform rescues up to two persons on a very very small lightweight kits and when we started to play with it, we saw it's very, very uh, uh, simple and efficient in confined space scenarios, all kinds of uh, uh, underground uh, uh, rescues, trench rescues, and of course, uh, tactical environments like for firefighters or combatants. Okay, um, you mentioned using it in a variety of different systems on a rope. Uh, what, do you have any numbers on the efficiency of it as a, uh, you know, if you were putting it into a mechanical advantage system, for instance, as the capture piece. Yeah, actually, I have the exact number because we've <laughs> done a lot of a lot of tests, and the efficiency that we've tested is uh, around uh, 61%. Okay. Um, which means that uh, if you need to uh, uh, pull uh, uh, 100 kilograms, um, you'll need to uh, add about a third and uh, it makes it quite efficient just uh, you know for a combination the ID for example which is well known has a, an efficiency of about 33 uh, percent and uh, the um, and sorry the CMC uh, just forgot the name MPD uh, clutch uh, the clutch the clutch the clutch uh, the the clutch uh, I think is around the seventy something percent, so it's uh, more closer to the MPD, and it's quite efficient. Okay, um, you said it can take a two-person load. Are we talking like two hundred kilograms then? No, we designed it for uh, one hundred sixty. Okay. And all the tests that I've done, uh, it can hold two hundred, but it makes it very hard to. Uh, operate the lever you'll need uh, to add some friction uh, on the back like a carabiner on the back okay. uh, it's possible it, the device itself will hold um, and what size rope is used with the device we're using a seven and a half mil uh, techno rope because we can still work with uh, regular ascenders and pulleys okay is there a range on the device for rope like could you use eight mil in it or just prefer seven and a half yeah, I've tested several eight mils, uh, but um, I we're still exploring it. There are three three models of rope that uh, we're using, and uh, we're happy with it. And uh, the more uh, question that we receive for more units, we are trying to uh, um, 
and make this uh, range larger. But uh, currently, there are three models that uh, we are happy and we are supplying it with the kit. Okay. So you mentioned drones a little bit. So I take it for the future, that's kind of where you see it going is into some of these more remote systems or what are your thoughts there? Yes, definitely. I think that was one of the first things that uh, when we initiated Hynovate, we wanted to start playing with because I remember being very frustrated from using all kinds of uh, um, rope launchers and uh, uh, all kinds of uh, uh, slingshots that were a nice concept, but not very effective, I would say, after uh, two dozen meters. Depends on the wind, depends on other factors. I didn't like the fact that I need to shoot at a team member uh, with all the safety around it. It was very hard to be um, very good with it. So we said, why not send a drone to pass a row between two points? And we've developed several solutions that uh, would allow you to either place a rope horizontally from point A to B, or even bypass a bridge or a building and, uh, and place a, a thin rope as a, as a as a rope that you can uh, uh, easily uh, connect to a thicker rope, a work, work, work line that you can afterwards use for climbing. And it's an alternative for uh, risking yourself in lead climbing or using ladders which are very limited. And we've been doing it for a few years now. We learned a lot and we have uh, mature products that are already been, been in use like the VDRC, which is an excellent all-around uh, device to carry a spool of rope and just send it everywhere for crossing rivers, between buildings, uh, uh, placing a rope for uh, high lines, whatever. And uh, the Tipula, which is a, it's a, it's a new concept of placing, a, placing a, a, an anchor on a, on a high structure. I can place an anchor and then pull up the rope and climb on it with an ascender. That way I can place a combatant or a firefighter on top of a building within seconds. I can uh, securely replace uh, other methods of climbing uh, uh, power lines uh, structures or other offshore constructions very easily. And I think that the drone world is going uh, to be a significant player in the rope access industry. And that is why Hynovet is investing a lot of effort and time in exploring and uh, developing products. So once firefighters and other units will start using drones more, uh, um, more commonly, uh, we will have solutions for them. That's interesting. I know the combined emergency services of the city I still work at, the police fire have a joint drone now and it's used primarily for um, observation around, you know, large structures or for the police, you know, doing what they're doing for us, obviously for assistance with 360s and things like this on large structures. But uh, no one's willing to risk it to carry anything at this point. <laughs> um, and you said you've done a lot of testing. What kind of weights are you putting into this drone or putting onto this drone when you're moving it around? So, you know, we, our, our slogan is uh, Heinovet, uh, outsmarting gravity. 
so we're a little we're, we're a little outsmarting here. We are um, putting a spool of a few hundred grams on the drone. Depends on the size of the drone. Uh, trying not to limit his abilities, and also it's a it's an it's an independent system. So I can switch it between drones, or you bring me any drone that you are familiar with and you're working with, and I can attach this uh, payload to the drone. And then um, once you carry the rope spool with you, afterwards, when the rope is placed, you can uh, drag that uh, line that you want to, uh, to put there. So we're not trying to struggle with the rope itself because from our test, it's almost impossible once you uh, cross a few dozen meters. It's uh, very risky to the drones, and I think that's some of the bad impression that people who tried these techniques uh, kind of uh, gave up. We continued exploring it and find that carrying a, a heave line or a similar tail line, uh, it's a better approach. We're using very thin lines, less than one millimeter Dyneema ropes, uh, that were carefully selected uh, uh, for this. And after doing it for several years, well, I told you when, when we met, we should play with it together. It's, a, it's an awesome tool. So basically, your system can attach to really any drone that can carry that type of payload, a couple hundred gram payload. That's correct. I didn't want uh, to force any unit or any user to use a specific drone. I, I wanted the drone industry to continue and, and, uh, and, um, and gain some progress. So if the drone is out of use, you can still use the system. And I want it to be independent. I try to use as less electronic as I can because it's always a good way to fuck up things. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the only device that we, we are using batteries in are the drone products. And uh, we try to, you know, to limit uh, the tech, technological knowledge that an operator would need to carry with him. Right on. Um, what's next for Hynovate? Where are you going post-COVID or I guess, you know, somewhat post-COVID here? What are your, uh, your next steps? Well, actually, COVID gave us a good opportunity to sit and think of what we want to do. Uh, we didn't just sit, sit. We, uh, we, we did put a lot of effort with our local training center here, Rescue One, to uh, uh, do a lot of uh, training sessions, challenging the equipment, see what we want to improve. And we worked a lot with the units that we usually uh, don't have enough time to work with, with firefighters and uh, other, uh, other units to gain more feedback. So we currently with the products that we have for the tactical market, we are happy with and we're just uh, uh, expanding the network to, uh, to more markets with the and our my main focus now is the industrial uh, users i think that they can benefit from the same advantages of uh, our products that uh, are appreciated by tactical users i want to make it easier and safer for firefighters to perform their uh, rope access uh, routines uh, i think that our products can uh, be very helpful for that i think that um, the way we reduce uh, risk in all kinds of uh, rope access projects using drones, uh, using the Rafa as an anchor, uh, 
um, will is going to change the way that uh, people uh, uh, practice rope access in the near future. And uh, we have some uh, new surprises that uh, we're, for now we're keeping uh, uh, back up the sleeve, but uh, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> Excellent, I like that. Um, another quick question, I think a lot of people are always curious about this. When you think of a new idea, like, hey, we should build a Rafa, from the time you think of it to the time you can actually get one on the market, what, what's that turnaround time look like for Hynovate from idea, design, you know, some different iterations, some testing to production and sale? Well, I, I think that a thing that makes Hynovate a, a little unique. Um, before I, we formed Hynovate, I did a lot of thinking. I know many of the good brands that uh, that uh, you know people are using like petzel and other uh, well-known brands and i know them from very close for many years both as a user and uh, in visits and uh, some connections that i have there and i wanted to create a little different company i wanted to be uh, quick very close to the market to get the feedback and very innovative that why we uh, always say that Hynovate is a rope access innovation company. So the main focus of Hynovate is developing new ideas. That's what I want to do. That's the fun, the fun part. And we designed the company structure to be uh, focused on creating and the ability to uh, react very fast. Uh, we are a uh, mostly focusing on uh, uh, receiving requests or uh, bringing up our own ideas. And since uh, most of our resources are into the R&D, from an ID to a final product that is ready to be tested, usually the process took us uh, between two to three months. It's wow. very, very fast. It's very, very fast if you're familiar with the lead times uh, on the market. And I wanted to keep it uh, this way. So we're trying to get off our back what we don't want to, uh, uh, to get our attention to be focused on. That's why we are doing partnerships with uh, distributors. We're not a distribution company. Uh, we are a serial manufacturing. We have an agreement with uh, Rock Exotica in the US because that's the thing that do, they do best and uh, we trust them good friends of us that's why we um, um, reach an agreement where rock will do the shoe manufacturing and our, our team will be focused on creating new ideas and, uh, and making the current ideas better right on um where can folks find you and your products like uh, website you know social media whereabouts can they find your stuff uh, well, everything is connected, so it doesn't matter if you go to heinovet.com on the internet or to our Instagram uh, Heinovet account or to our Facebook page. Everything is connected. Um, our YouTube channel, uh, everything got a cross-reference, and I usually uh, tell my team to post everything everywhere. So uh, once once we, we, we want to share uh, some uh, tutorial it will be posted in all social media and then of course it will be on our website our youtube channel and of course people also uh, write to us and i'm happy to share you know 
everything that I can and send people, you know, more explanation or direct them to, uh, you know, training partners uh, like Ronin to, to, uh, to share the knowledge. Right on. Is there anything else you want to add or uh, talk about? Uh, well, first of all, uh, you know, first of all, before I say, I say uh, thank you, I think that, uh, you know, this stuff resembles to me what I wanted to do when we started Heinovate. I think that the most important thing for us is to uh, work with good people. And then um, we are trying to uh, give solutions to people who usually either need a quick solution because uh, uh, they want to go to help others or they want to risk themselves in order to, to help others. And uh, we, I always try to see these things through the eye of the user. And uh, that is why we're um, trying to be as open as possible, work with good friends and training centers and get as much as experience that, uh, that we can. And I'm inviting anyone that uh, want to ask, want to know anything about production, about what we do, how we do it, want to take part in uh, one of the courses that our training partners is giving around the world, anything, you can uh, email us uh, to info.com or uh, just uh, send us a direct message to any social media and uh, we are trying to answer every question because I think it's a community and we are part of the community. And uh, I want to thank you, Mark. You know, uh, we've been uh, knowing each other for, uh, for a while now, we met a few times, and I think that uh, it's people like you that uh, want to share knowledge and want to really, without too much ego, to, uh, and to help uh, and uh, to share everybody. I think that's the way to go especially when the main business is uh, saving life. So you know, thanks for this podcast as well. All right. Well, it's great to have you on. Thanks for the accolades. And uh, I mean, I appreciate what everybody's doing out there. Companies like yourself trying to push, you know, and innovate. It's uh, the, the change in rope rescue and rope access over the last 10 years has definitely picked up. I mean, that bell curve has gotten very steep. And I think it's because of, you know, innovators, in the manufacturing and making new equipments and pushing the boundaries of what people thought could and couldn't be done a few years ago. So, you know, that's good to know. Um, if there's nothing else, then we will uh, ring off. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you too. And uh, have a great morning and um, keep in touch.